Will you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 17, please? We'll just read two verses and then we'll carry on with our, our reading, our, pardon me, our service then in this message. Isaiah chapter 17, and beginning to read at verse 1, and we'll do verse 2 also. The burden of Damascus. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. It shall be a ruinous heap. The cities of Aurora are forsaken. They shall be for flocks which shall lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the multitude again that you've brought out this many people in their hearts to know the days in which we live, but really to hear your word about your Son. We pray now, Lord, for these moments that are allotted to me, that you would enable me to bring all things to my remembrance and in my weakness and in my frailty, Lord, as a man, as a human being. May thy spirit take over. May the Holy Ghost take charge. And Lord, we pray that we would all leave here enriched in your word, enlightened and illuminated by your spirit and in love with your son, ready for his coming again. Glorify your Son, Father, in and through this word and the preaching of your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In June 2012, I preached on uh, this message. And it was about Syria, the Arab Spring or the Winter of Discontent, as maybe others known it as, as the Arab uprising in the world had happened in 2011, around January, so a year, maybe a year and a half, things were happening around the Middle East in the Arab countries, and I decided to preach on Syria. And how I seen uh, the Lord showing us uh, through Scripture these things about Syria, Damascus in particular, and what would happen with the city, because the little reading that we have given you this evening, verse 1 says, the burden of Damascus. Now notice, behold, now you look here, it means, Look here, Damascus shall be taken away from being a city. It shall be a ruinous heap. Now can I ask you in the year just turned into 2019, is Damascus still a city that is there in Syria, the capital? And of course, at this time, it's still there. It may be damaged, it may be war-torn, but it's still there. And the Word of God says that this will happen. And this is a sign of the times in which we're living in before the coming, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ancient history we'll look at, first of all, biblical history, and then we'll look at prophetical history and fulfillment that is to come throughout our meeting this evening. Just in the December, just last month, uh, 2018, on the 19th of December, President Donald Trump decided that he would pull troops out of Syria. Now listen, brothers and sisters, whether it's Donald Trump or whether it's Bashar al-Assad or whoever other leaders there are, here's one thing for you to note tonight. There are higher echelons that are at work. 
And when we hear of people and their banking systems, their monetary systems, when we hear there's five major families in the world today, the Rothschilds being one of them, the Bilderbergers being another, and there's others we'll not have time to go into. You ever wonder when we say we are in billions of debt, who to? Who to? America is in trillions of debt. Who to? To these families, these ruling cartel elitists who meet together and they fuel one war here and they fuel another side of that war there. And in between, they reap everything. And it's been known that even the Rockefellers themselves, along with others, have been together and said they care not. Listen, they care not who rules the nations and the countries as long as they can have the money. So everything that is we are hearing in the news today, whether it's Donald Trump or, or whether it's Bashar al-Assad or whether it's uh, Putin in Russia, they're all under the bondage of a banking elite system in this world. It's a new world order. It's a one world government they're trying to bring into place for many years. And now it's in your face. European Union are telling us, just Angela Merkel just two weeks ago told us of the plans of the new world order of the European Union. And of course, we can see that even when there was the, uh, the days of the of the discontent from January 2011 around the Arab states. Do you ever wonder why they attacked Libya? Ever wonder why they got rid of Gaddafi? Ever wonder why they went to Iraq, Saddam Hussein? They were all tyrants. Absolutely they were. They were wicked. Absolutely they were. But I'll tell you why. Because they hadn't got a central banking system in their country that was run by these central bankers. Now, the Bible lets us know all of these things are going to happen. And the idea of this message tonight is not to just give you a geography and a history lesson. The idea is to show you the reality and the truth, the absolute truth of the Word of God coming to pass just as it said all those years ago, being fulfilled that a man and a woman who are not saved that are not born again, that they may realize that before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the second coming, maybe you've never heard of the second coming, the Bible is full of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and only the redeemed, the saved, will be in his kingdom and his glory. So the idea is that you will be ready, that you will be putting your trust in Christ and what he has done at Calvary's cross, that he paid your debt in full when he shed his own precious blood, that you might be saved and that you might be blood-washed, as it were, by faith in what he's done and that you might be spirit-filled, but also that you might be ready for his coming. We'll look at it in a little while. In our reading in chapter 17, it speaks of Damascus twice in the first verse. Shall be taken away from being a city, it shall be, a ruinous heap. We'll look at that, God willing, in a few moments. So Donald Trump in the 19th pulls the troops out of Syria. I personally, I personally do never think that we should have got involved in those places either. That's my personal rendering of it. I personally think, and I was glad to see troops coming home. Wish our troops were never there. And even though they were despots and wicked men, 
yet they had to go because they had no banking system. On the 26th, listen, on the 26th of, pardon me, the 25th of December, I got Christmas Day mixed up there. On Christmas Day, just past, a couple of weeks ago, the Israelis sent in attack uh, fighter planes to drop bombs around the outskirts of Damascus because of Hezbollah activity there. Now you listen, that is a one country coming into another. Just this afternoon, you ready? Just this afternoon, from Gaza there's been more attacks on the Israelis. And so they have attacked. It's a cauldron that is going to explode. Power struggles of other nations proxy through other nations. What do I mean? Big nations in the Middle East are going by proxy through other nations in the Middle East to gain control of the area of their wealth, which then goes to the banker or goes to the oil magnet. And also of their religion, Islam against Islam. And in between, they're wiping out every Christian that names Christ in the middle of it. For example, when the Iraq and Iran war was on, that was a proxy war too. America and Russia were fighting each other through those two countries. Thousands and thousands of people died. It's horrendous. And now in the Middle East, uh, when you go to where Saudi Arabia is, they are mainly Sunni Muslim. And they want to be the power base of the Middle East. Then when you go further to the east, on the far side of the Holy Land, then you will find that you have Iran. And Iran is wanting to be the power base. So these two giants, as it were, of, uh, uh, in the Middle East, the Iranians want to be the power base, and they're mostly Shia Muslim. And in between, you have all these other little Muslim countries who are now being infiltrated by these wanting to take over the whole lot. For example, on the south side of Saudi Arabia, you have the Yemen war. Saudi Arabia are fighting tooth and nail there. Uh, and, And many people are being slaughtered. And why are they fighting there? Because Iran are trying to come over with their form of Islam. Can you see the the mess that it's in? Now, here's one people don't want to hear, maybe. The Israelis, by proxy, use the United States to do all the other wars. The Israelis. And then we can't help it when people want to defend themselves when they're surrounded by armed nations. Attacks every day. Who can sort this mess out? Man can't sort it out. They're slaughtering each other. Who can sort this mess out? But one, the coming of Messiah, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the Bible tells us, that this will happen, not only in the Middle East, but around the globe, around the world. We're seeing the upheavals in Europe at the minute. The Yellow Vest movement is spreading. The rise and rapid rise of far-right movements. And then you have far-left movements on the other hand. No one knows hardly who everybody is anymore because of the, the very upheaval mess that man has got himself into. But Christ is coming and he's going to sort the whole lot out. So when Donald Trump decides he's pulling out his troops, I don't know what for, but let me say this, brothers and sisters, and mark this time when you've heard this, watch this space. 
Watch this space. He hasn't pulled the troops out for nothing. To the north of Syria, the Turks have aligned their tanks ready to take over northwestern, part of eastern Syria. There are the Kurds, and there's quite a lot of Christians there, and they're wiping them out. They're wiping them out. So we want to look at this whole mess. We see the rise of ISIL, or ISIS as people call it, and all of the wickedness that man has done humanity against humanity. It is vile. It is wicked. It is wrong. North America are now seeing what they would call caravans or they call it the invasion from the South Americas up into the north. They don't know what to do. We don't know what to do in the world anymore. China, I'm going to off note, you're going to have to hold on with me in a minute because this is where the world is. This is where the world is. China just this week has said that if they sink an American aircraft carrier and make them the powers of the China Seas and round the South East Asian Seas. Britain has now decided to seal one of their warships into it, the sea. So you can understand the powder keg that people don't realize that we're sitting in in the world. The days in which we live in, when the world, save for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, will turn itself with man. They will turn themselves into a smoking ember floating in space by the time it's over. Man will destroy man. But the Bible says, not the world as the system of this world, it's going to be destroyed. Oh, there's going to be a new world order, okay. And there's going to be a one-world government, okay, when Christ returns. That's going to be the new world order and the one-world government. So Damascus here is another sign. It's all over. We could preach in many of them. It's 60 times in 55 verses. Our reading has two of the times where Damascus is mentioned in Scripture. For example, Genesis 14 and verse 15. We have uh, Abram who becomes Abraham. His nephew Lot is taken away by a confederacy of kings. Abraham hears about it. And Abraham takes 318 of his armed and trained servants to hunt down a conglomerate of kings in order to get Lot back again. Notice Genesis 14 and verse 15 is the first mention in the Bible of the city of Damascus. It says, And he, that is Abram, pursued them on the Hoba, which is on the left of Damascus. Abram pursued them on Tehobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. So now you can see, so now you can see Damascus is right at the beginning of your Bible. It's an ancient city. Damascus is mentioned among the conquests of the Egyptians, especially one of the pharaohs called King Tothamies III. And it's in their writings in 1500 BC. It's also in the Amarna tablets around the 13 to 1400 BC. It's writing and it mentions Damascus. They were actually old clay tablets or letters, they called them, uh, that were sent from the kings in Egypt or the pharaohs. And during the reign of Solomon in our Bible, 
That is David's son, David who wrote the Psalms, the king of Israel. During the reign of Solomon, there was a man called Rezin who became the king of Syria. Now notice this, Syria. Just north and slightly, slightly east of Canaan land. And notice in Israel as Solomon, Solomon was reigning, we're told Rezin took his headquarters to Damascus. And then we read of him. Israel separates into two kingdoms, the ten-tribe northern kingdom in the north, the two-tribe kingdom in the south. And in that, the first time that you'll read the name Jews, J-E-W-S in your Bible, is in 2 Kings chapter 16 and verse 6. And Rezin, the king in Syria in Damascus, has come confederate with the ten northern tribes in the north of Israel, and they are fighting against the Jews. Israel is fighting against the Jews. Imagine that. <coughs> fighting against their brethren. Or the house of Judah, if you want to have it for a, a more precise term. That's the first time. So Damascus has been a key player. Syria is known as Aram. A-R-A-M, Aram, and it historically has uh, been then friends with the northern kingdom. Now listen, Assyria is to the big power that's just to the side of it. Assyria comes down into Syria and takes away Damascus, takes away the people, and then goes on into the northern kingdom of Israel, and a man called Tiglath-Pileser III, and he takes them away. They never return again as a nation. And what they usually do is they take away the people that's in the scriptures, especially in the northern kingdom of Israel, and they place other non-Israelite people in there to break down their power base that they can't gather together again. So this is right through scripture. Damascus as a people were taken away. But here's the thing. Damascus became what's known as an entirely pastoral city. But the fulfillment of Isaiah 17 and verse 1 has never yet happened. Notice, it has never yet happened. The burden of Damascus, behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city, and it shall be a ruinous heap. Damascus has been the world's oldest continuously populated city. Turn with me to Jeremiah 49, please. Jeremiah 49. Listen to what the prophet says. Verse 23. Jeremiah 49, 23 says, Concerning Damascus, Hamath is confounded and Arphad. For they have heard evil tidings. They they are faint-hearted. There is sorrow on the sea. It cannot be quiet. Damascus is waxed feeble and turneth herself to flee. And fear hath seized on her. Anguish and sorrows have taken her as a woman in travail. Now notice what is happening here. High is the city of praise not left the city of my joy. Therefore her young men shall fall in the streets and all the men of war shall be cut off in that day, saith the Lord of hosts. And I will kindle a fire in the wall of Damascus and it shall be consumed in the palaces of Ben-Hadad. What does that mean? It meant that these enemies had come down and taken them all away. But yet, but yet, 
it wasn't taken away as a city. It had never become a ruinous heap. Just as God had warned, judgment was coming. People laughed at it, and so the judgment came, and the people were taken away. And listen, you might be sitting here not saved, and you might be laughing at the gospel. You might be rejecting Christ and his gospel. But I can tell you this, that just as sure as the prophets spoke in those days, and just as sure as they laughed, and just as sure as it came to pass, and judgment came upon them, you can be just as sure tonight sitting in your seat that Christ is coming, and you're not ready for, to meet him. That's why I'm trying to prove to you here. The Bible keeps showing itself to be true. The Bible says you must be ready. You must be saved and born again. Notice, the Babylonians conquered that city in 332. There's a little telltale, Ben-Hadad, the palaces of Ben-Hadad, or the the palaces of the king. But here's another thing to notice. In 1940, they excavated a way up around where You've heard the city of Aleppo in the war that you've heard. And it was a prophetic utterance here that may have been hidden, the city or the palaces of of Ben-Hadad, because they called it in the ruins. They were lifting out artifacts that were ruined and said, this is the palaces of Ben-Hadad as they went around and destroyed Aleppo. Aleppo was destroyed, just like it says here in the prophecy. God's word is true, friend. God's word is coming to pass. And people in this world are blind and just going on as if there's always another time and another day. So it's never uh, been taken away as a city. Damascus is also being blessed by the gospel. The apostle Paul was going there to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. The risen Savior had ascended into heaven. And Paul is there. He is off the Jewish, uh, probably junior Sanhedrin. He's one of the Jewish leaders. And he thinks that he knows all about God. And he, re- he was a Christ rejecter, knew nothing about Christ. And next thing, there was a light from heaven. And there was a voice. And it says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He falls to the ground under the glory of the Lord. And, he's, uh, 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 and uh, Paul re- replies to him, Who art thou, Lord? Or curios is the word for Lord. It means supreme sovereign controller and master. Who are you? Now this is a man who said he followed Yahweh. Jehovah, the God of the Bible. Who are you? And this is what it said. The voice from heaven came and said, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. Whom thou persecutest. becomes blind. He goes to Damascus and the Lord sends a man to speak with him. Acts 9 and 19. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. My friend, listen. Listen. You might be getting on with your life and you may even be religious. Maybe you're not. Maybe you are. Maybe you go to church. Maybe you've never been in a church. Maybe you've been somewhere else or some other religion. Listen, I want to tell you, the one who spoke from heaven is one who's speaking here now. The Holy Ghost says, I am Jesus. Don't turn him away. Don't refuse him. 
And the last time it's mentioned in your Bible is in Galatians 1 and verse 17. Paul mentions being in Damascus at a later date. So in our reading, Isaiah 17 and 1, the burden of Damascus, behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. It shall be as a ruinous heap. Now I could go into the whole thing of, well, who funded the, if you want, the rebels then? Remember the rebels rose up and all this sort of stuff. Who funded them? Some say it was the CIA. Well, who funded the CIA? <laughs> oh, some else, American central bank and government. Oh, who gave the order? The, Ob- the Obama, pardon me, the Obama-Clinton administration. That's what people say. Who told Obama or the Clintons the new world order? The new world order. Why? Bashar al-Assad. Now listen, I have no great, of a Christian love for people. Bashar al-Assad, I have no great love for him. So don't get me wrong. I'm not on his side. I'm not on his side. But Christians live more at peace before ISIL arose. And I'm not on his side, but you know what happened? He had no central banking system. In other words, the New World Order hadn't got their claws into him yet. You know what happened to Saddam Hussein? You know why he got killed? Because he was a tyrant? Of course he was a tyrant. You know why he got killed? It wasn't why. Listen, Mugabe in Zimbabwe, why did you not go after him? Rhodesia and now Zimbabwe. Why did they not go after him? You know why they didn't? Because they had no oil. No oil. Central banking system. There wasn't one to be found in Syria. You know what happened to Gaddafi? And listen, Gaddafi armed the enemies of Ulster for years. So I'm no, I'm not, I have no lump for that man. But I want to tell you, you know why they took him out? He had no central banking system and he started to try and uh, raise up a gold reserve. Gold reserve that Africa would come under his banking system. Breaking away from a new world order. He has to go. Saddam Hussein, he wanted to go from the petrodollar and start going to the euro dollar. And so America decides he got to go. Because don't forget it was America who put him in place. It was America who put Saddam in there. Does it make sense to you? You say, well, what's this got to do with church? Got everything because the Bible tells it's happening. Tells us and tells us who we must be and we must be ready for the coming of the Lord. Syria's borders are surrounded by Lebanon to the west and the Mediterranean Sea after that. Turkey to the north, Iraq to the east, Jordan to the south, and the Israeli state to the southwest. Now listen, the Syrian state was established after the First World War. The Syrian state was established after the First World War, as we know it, as a French mandate, and it represented the largest Arab state to emerge from what is known as the formerly Ottoman Empire. Now I have told you in here before about the Ottoman Empire. That was the Turkish Empire went from Turkey. I'm pretending to have a map in front of you, I'm going to try and do it in reverse. From Turkey, right the whole way across, down into Syria, into where you would find Jordan, and right across down where now you would find into Iraq, 
over to Iran. And that was the river Euphrates. The people populated there, irrigated it for their plants and their food to live by it. And the Ottoman Empire were, were a Turkish caliphate. And the caliphate was fully destroyed, or if that's the word I can use, around the 1920-something. So forgive me, I'm just not sure of the actual year. I think it's about 22 or something around there. And what happened there was, they were right in and they held on to Jerusalem. And none could praise them out of the city of Jerusalem. General Allenby, a British general, he's sitting talking one day to a man called uh, General Belvoir, two Christian generals. And he says, I, I want you to go and I want you to take Jerusalem from the Turks. And this was a, a field mission on many men. And General Belvoir, he took out a book, Light for the Last Days, written by a man from Dublin, Henry Grattan Guinness, great evangelist, part of the Guinness family in Dublin. Half of them were evangelists, the other half um, were not. <laughs> they evangelized something else. And he wrote in this book, and you can, you, you can get them today, Light for the Last Days, another one called The, the Approaching End of the Age. And he wrote this in, and in 1888. 1888. He wrote this book. He was a great evangelist. He was many souls saved. And he wrote that those who see come to the year 1917 will see a great year. I can't remember it word for word, but more or less Bible prophecy lined up. Jerusalem would be liberated in 1917. And in it was a the seven times punishment of Israel from Leviticus chapter 26, the Lord says, you walk contrary to me, I will punish you seven times more for your sins. You can read it when you go home. And one time is 360. Okay, one. 360, okay. 360. One time, 360. Seven times is three. Seven times 360, which is 2,520. 2,520 days a day for a year in Scripture was prophetic, and that is 2,520 years. Taking it away from the carrying away of Jerusalem into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. 645 BC. One for the changeover. There's no year not, and it brings you to the year 1917. And Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 31 and 5 says, As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts. Defend Jerusalem. Defending it, he will be passing over it. And he brought, Allenby brought his little bi-wing planes and sent them over Jerusalem. And they dropped leaflets. There was bloodshed all over the Holy Land. All over Canaan land. Bloodshed everywhere. But when they came to Jerusalem, they dropped leaflets telling the Turks to surrender. And they saw these great big birds like Isaiah said. And they dropped all of their weapons and they walked out and surrendered. It's in the history books. Go and look at it. Just as the Bible said it. The Ottoman Empire came right down. That drew the Turks there. They were all taken out. And right around where that, where that uh, fertile crescent was going around toward Turkey today, started to lose. And the river Euphrates started to dry up, as it were. The people living around it, the breakup of the Turkish Ottoman Empire started to happen. And in 1917, the 9th of December, General Allenby walked in the Jaffa Gate of Jerusalem. But guess what? The bankers were still in charge. They were still in charge. 
so in 19, just after the First World War, the Ottoman Empire was drying up. And you'll read of the drying up of the River Euphrates in Revelation 16 and verse 12. That there must be the drying up of the River Euphrates to prepare the way of the kings of the east. And what happened in the drying up of the River Euphrates? 1917, that started the Turkish Ottoman Empire shrinking to the little, well, it's a big country, but compared to what it was. Do you know what the Turks are saying today? They want to revive the Ottoman Empire. They want to revive it. They're on the north border of Syria. They've put all their tanks along there, and they're ready for an incursion in. Now watch this space. Just as the Bible says it, so it's happening. After a number of military coups, the Syrian country and with Damascus as the capital, 19, April 1946, was, uh, was given over to um, the people of Syria. And after a number of military coups from 1949 to 1971, during this, uh, the Syrian alliance with Egypt was broken in 1961. After a military coup in Syria, then came an emergency law. Listen, 1963, because you're wondering, this is going to bring you to the present. In 1963, and what it meant was there was a man who would take over and he was a military man. In 1971, his name was Hafez al-Assad. He became their president. And the one you hear about on the news today is his son, Bashar al-Assad. Now you know where he's from. Actually, in 2011, when there was the Arab Spring and all the uprising then, and the people were rising up and there was a lot of battle. And out of this springs, uh, the, the, the Muslim Brotherhood comes. And out of this then again springs all these other groups. And then springs ISIS and all this sort of, and the barbarity of all of this. And in the middle of all of this comes Russia. And right behind all of this, remember the superpower in the east I told you about Iran? They've got their tentacles over. And then they have their groups like Hezbollah. So that is an axis, as you were, right through the Middle East today. Now, does the Bible tell us that that will happen? Yes. Yes. 22 Arab states have a coalition together. 22 Arab states not only have a coalition, but they threw Bashar al-Assad out. And they've recently now, just this week, starting to talk to him again to bring him back into it. Strange, isn't it? Trump's coming out. The Israelis are starting to fly up. Russia's coming down with a stronghold now. Turkey's around the borders. And we think that it's not in dangerous and perilous times. So who are the Arabs? Well... Before we turn to that, there's a little scripture I want you to look at in Syria. Song of Solomon, chapter 7. Song of Solomon, chapter 7. And as we look at this, this is very important because if you can consider when I first preached there, I mean, obviously everything I'm telling you tonight is not everything I preached then because time has moved on and we're now catching up. But Song of Solomon, chapter 7 and verse 4, 
there's a description given. And it says in verse 4, let me just get it. Thy neck is a tower of ivory, thine eyes like fish pools in Heshbon. By the gate of Bath Rabbim, thy nose is as the tower of Lebanon. Remember? Now look. Thy nose is as the tower of Lebanon, which looketh towards Damascus. What is that nose? You think, well, he's singing to a girl, which is an awful big nose, hasn't she? Come on, would you be happy if somebody says, you have a big nose, like a big tower, points to the city? Listen, listen to the spirit of this. The Tower of Lebanon was the mountain range between Lebanon and Syria. And up Mount Hermon, it's also known as the eyes of the nation. It's up here where Baal or the devil was worshipped. And it's here where Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And there are cities that are lined between Syria, the mountains, pardon me, Lebanon, the mountains, Syria. And right up around here, you have Haifa in Israel. You go to the Golan Heights where we hear about all the trouble. And then we come around the mountain, there is the, the nose that points to Damascus. Then as we go up, we go up to Homs and Aleppo and to Tartus, further up. Every one of those cities in 2011, this was 2012 when I first preached it, I said, these cities are going to be destroyed. And I was laughed online and told I was in Egypt. Now look what's happened to those cities. Look what's happened. They are destroyed. They run along the nose of Syria and Lebanon. In Genesis chapter 16, Abraham and Sarah have no child. The Lord said he would give Abraham or Abram, we'll call him Abraham, a child through Sarah, his wife. Doesn't happen. They think they'll give God a helping hand. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 15, it says, And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name which Hagar bare Ishmael. Now that is the father of the Arabs that we're looking at tonight. Further back in verse 12, he gives a description of him before he's even born. You tell me if this does not fit the bill. He will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of of his brethren. See the word presence? By the way, it's the word ponim in the Hebrew. And it's the same word we talk about, the presence of the Lord. It's the face, that bit which turns, it means. When God came and wrestled with Jacob all night, the presence of the Lord came. God turned his face and came. Do you know God's presence is here tonight? He's turned his face to come. Well, Ishmael's had 12 Sons, just like a replica of Israel. Jacob Israel had 12 sons. See, the devil likes to replicate. And these sons were all from the Arab, where all the Arabs are from, from Ishmael. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man. Can you see it? 
The Bible told us exactly what he would be like. So I've done this many times. I don't want to spend too much longer on this. But look, in Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 38, Ezekiel 38. Listen to this. The Lord says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws. Notice, I put, God says, to these people, I'll put hooks in your jaws. Now, I can't go into it. I've done this in, uh, uh, many a times. Gog, Magog, Meshach, and Tubal are the area of where even Russia would be today, especially southern Russia into Turkey. And God says, you're going to come. I'm going to put a hook in your jaw. What's the hook in the jaw of Russia today? Ukraine's a hook in the jaw of Russia. You know why? Because the European Union... It sits right in the middle. I feel sorry for the Ukrainian people. I'm not saying that condescending. I really do. Because they've got the European Union wanting their European army, and they have their European world going down here. They want all of this, and then the Russia's above it, and here's the Ukraine stuck in the middle of them all. So what the Americans did was round Ukraine and Poland. They put missile defense systems, and then they put attack missiles into the place instead. Russia don't like that, so there's hooks in their jaws, and they're coming down saying, we'll attack you. So we have uh, things happening in Britain. They're coming around our shores nearly every other week. They're flying over uh, British airspace, threatening Britain. (coughs) Many times that we don't even know about, and war is just about averted because planes are going to shoot each other out of the sky. It's happening all the time. Hooks in their jaws. And the Lord says, I'm going to see you, Russia. And the peoples around there, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws and you're going to come down. Why would God do this? God's doing it to show his sovereignty in the earth. That he alone is God. That's why. And that he's sending his son to set up his kingdom. For example, just briefly, I can't go through it. Verse 5, Persia, that's Iran. Ethiopia, that's northern Africa. Not just Ethiopia as we know it. In fact, Ethiopia had many Christians in it. It still has. Libya, we've talked about Gaddafi and Libya there. All of them with shield and helmet. Gomer, Germany, some think, are closer to the Middle East, somewhere around that area will come, and all his bands, the house of Tagarma, that's Turkey. From the north quarters and all his bands, who's his bands? Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, all those stands, all those Islamic stands will come with the old Ottoman Empire that I've told you about. And then whenever you go down to chapter verse 13, there's another conglomerate gathered together for this war, Sheba and Didan. Some think that this is actually around the peninsulas. It could be Saudi Arabia. Imagine Saudi Arabia being on this. Yet look at the power they're trying to hold in the Middle East. Listen, Wahhabism is one of the worst forms of Islam, especially for women. It's a terrible, terrible religion. 
It's cruel. And that's in Saudi Arabia. Yet who's the friends of the West in the East? Saudi Arabia. Who wants to try and work this world out? Does anybody else want to have a go? <laughs> Is there any wonder they're failing? Gee, they can't even hold storm on. Here's a wee scripture. Can two walk together except they be agreed? That's for Stormont, by the way, and everywhere else. So now you're saying, I'm trying to draw a picture for you here of this Middle East in one service. Sheba and Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish. I remember they used to sing, Rule Britannia, Britannia rule the waves. We got a new aircraft carrier built. Wasn't it great? So proud. Couldn't afford the helicopters to sit on it. And it started the leak when they took it out for a test run. Britain is falling. You know why? Because of their sin. Because they've turned their back on God. So Britain, the merchants of Tarsus, America, all the young lands, the Commonwealth nations, the motherland of Britain will come and say, Art, I come to take a spoil. It's going to be a war. I haven't time. I've done this and uh, I could have said this, that, and I know uh, Psalm 83 talks about all of those uh, nations, especially they're mostly Islamic nations that will come against the Israelis. And I could tell you all the, all the newspaper clippings and all the things that people have said. Listen, I've spent hours on it this week and I went to write it all down. I went, you know, what's the use? I'll bore people with it. But every day there's something <coughs> happening that you are not aware of. So when we look at this, the River Euphrates had dried up. Now they're trying to get the Ottoman Empire back for the Turks. Now listen, in 1917, I'm going to say this, and we'll bring you a couple of scriptures, we're going to wrap this up. I don't want to drain you with it. In 1917, in the same year that Jerusalem was liberated by, by Allenby, the end of this seven times punishment of the north, southern kingdom of the house of Judah. Right? Now listen, in the same year, a little man called Mao Zedong, a Chinese student, he heard of a teaching from Russia. And he went to find out more about it. And it's what you and I know today. It's communism. Communism. And he takes it and he runs away to the kings of the East, to China as it were, and becomes a leader. And there's the Chinese. Do you know there's two Chinas today in the world? Do you know that? But people won't tell you that, you see, because the other part is in Taiwan. That's why they're trying to get Taiwan, because all the Chinese nationals were all forced out to go to Taiwan. So America says, we will go to the South China Seas, and we will watch and take over the islands. You know what happens? So China said, let's sink an American aircraft carrier. You ever wonder why America is so involved in Taiwan? That's why. Because the non-communists were moved over there. 
100 years ago. That's why China is communist. You know what the Bible says? I'm not going to it. You can read it. You go home, Revelation chapter 16. It says there are three entities that are cast into a lake of fire in Revelation 20. There are three entities mentioned in Revelation 16. The beast, the dragon, the false prophet. The beast of Romanism and all of false religion. The beast of Europe and all of those things that are going on enslaving the people of Europe. Listen, I have nothing against European people now because I, 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 I mean that. This is not about the people. This is about the, the, the people who are governing over the people. It's nothing to do with the people. You have the beast of Europe, the dragon of communism, and the false prophet of Islam. Revelation 16, Revelation 20. And I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the heavens and the earth fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the book was opened and, the, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the book. Calls up out of the sea. Those who had died at sea, those who were buried on land, God calls them all up and they're cast into a lake of fire for their names not written in the Lamb's book of life or the book of life as it's called. You know what it says? Where there is the beast, the dragon and the false prophet. Spirits of devils were told it is from in Revelation 16. I want to finish with this. Thank you for your attention. Damascus has never been taken away from a city nor been a heap, as it says here. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 24, verses 6 and 7. Matthew 24, just let me get a drink. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. And in verse 8, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Listen to what it says. Now this is the Bible speaking, it's not me. For our conversation is in heaven from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you looking for the Savior? The Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready for the return of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're not saved... It'll be a terrible day. But if you're redeemed with the blood of Christ, we are looking for his return. We're watching and waiting that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And as true as I have done with as the, the time that's been allotted to me that I have shown you in the word of God, the, the prophecy coming to pass in this world and the countries the way they are has, just as the Bible has said, you can be as sure as that has come to pass and I've shown you even a short time scale of the, the seven times punishment and all that the Bible said would happen after it. As true as it is and as sure as it is, you can be as sure as sitting in your seat that if you're not saved, 
you will be in a lake of fire because your name not written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the Bible. I'm not trying to offend you. That's the Bible. Notice what he says, for our conversations in heaven from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his own glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Listen, Christ is going to come. And do you see the the graveyards around here and the graveyards where I I live and the graveyard where you live all over this country? See the graveyards at the coming of the Lord. Listen, the dead in Christ, we're told, Paul tells 1 Thessalonians 4, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. There's going to be graves opened and even the very DNA is going to be called up by God who created you and your body's going to come together. Those who have died believing in Christ will be raised up and we will be with the Lord forever, changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and as sure as everything that I've told you has come to pass that's coming to pass too and he's going to subdue all things the whole earth is going to come under his subjection you know the word subdue here it means to arrange troops into their divisions (laughs) the overcoming body is going to be arranged into divisions And we're going to rule and reign with the Savior. One more scripture. Thank you for your attention. 2 Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians, please. And let me just get a chapter one. If you haven't got your Bible with you, I want you to read it on the screen. I want you to understand, this is not me just writing this down for, this is what the Bible says. This is in the same. It's the King James Bible, King James Bible. Exactly the same. I want you to see this. Listen to what the apostle writes. In verse 21, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 7. Can you get it for me? Thank you. Now read it. And to you who are troubled, dressed with us. Notice, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now note, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and not obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the gospel isn't just this airy, furry, whimsy thing. Ah, oh, come on, please, when you get saved. What, you should be pleading God for mercy. That's truth. Obey the gospel. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, now notice, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints when Christ comes He's coming to be glorified in those of us who love him, who trust in his finished work at Calvary, that when he died in Calvary and shed his blood, we say, that's enough for me. Jesus paid it all. He's paid it all. And as sure as the Bible says what is happening, and we've showed you some of it tonight, you can be assured sitting in your seat that Christ has paid your debt, but you must accept it. 
come in repentance to the cross and believe that he alone can save your soul and prepare you for his kingdom who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power when he shall come and be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. I finish with this. Thank you. He's not only going to be glorified. You see, it's not as if Jesus is trying his best to win you over. <laughs> we tend to promote Jesus as if, you know, he's doing his best to try and save you. He's doing his best to win you over. No, he is not indeed. He's come and died for you, and those who are his will come to him. Simple as that. He is victorious. And he will be glorified. He will not, listen, Jesus isn't going to be, uh, he's not going to be disappointed for people who's, who turned him away. Not at all. He's not going to be disappointed. You know what the Bible says? He shall see the travail of his soul and he shall be satisfied. He's going to say, as they are the ones who I died for. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, he says. And he's going to be admired. Will you admire him? Who else would you admire? Paul says, because you've believed our testimony. Will you believe the testimony of what's happened tonight? Will you believe the testimony of what you've been told tonight? How God is still governor of the nations, seated upon the throne and sovereign over all. Yet he gives his only begotten son to die on a cross for you that you might be in his glory. Will you believe that testimony tonight? Will you get saved tonight? Will you say Christ is enough for me tonight? Will you come and say, would you pray with me and would you lead me to Christ because I know I'm a sinner in need of a savior and Christ is the only one that can save me? Would you take the testimony of that tonight? Oh, I, 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 I'm urging you. Don't leave it and don't leave here. Don't walk out. Don't be walking away and saying, you know, another night, another day, another time. You might not get to another day, another night, and another time. And the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. But you must be ready. You must be saved according to this word, not mine. Amen. Amen.